This is Odette Auger for Cortez Currents. This story is part of the Local Journalism Initiative. This story is about how COVID-19 changed summer jobs for one Cortez student. I'm interviewing Natalia Nabida, a Vancouver Island University student going into her second year. You grew up on Cortez. Describe your island home. It is very small. There's a thousand people the whole year and then 2,000 in the summer. And there's three communities kind of spread out around the island. Um, Squirrel Cove, Whale Town, and Manson's Landing. And my home is kind of in the direct center of the island, so it's surrounded by trees and it's nice and quiet. But if you want to go to any of the buildings or the stores or anything, it's like a 20-minute car ride or walking for three hours, so... It's definitely different from the kind of life that most people live nowadays, I think. Last summer you came home from school, boarding out, and had a summer job. Tell me, tell me why that's important for university students. Um, I was living in Euclid for high school for the last two years, actually. And it was actually quite a lot like where I grew up because it was quiet. It was a really small town. There's probably a thousand people. The school was like 130. Um, and I was doing most of my classes online because I realized pretty quickly that doing online classes, you can get them done much quicker. So, um, it was kind of a quiet last year. I was just at home doing my schoolwork, and it's really rainy there, so it was, it was like a sleepy last year, and, um, I finished a couple months earlier than expected, so I came back to Cortez, and there wasn't work right away because it's pretty seasonal over here. So I was just hanging out with my family for a month, and then I started working at um, a kitchen at Hollyhock, which is like a retreat center. So it was nice to just have a break from school and get to see my family, see my siblings who are like my best friends, and save up some money. Okay, so living at home with your family does help you save up quite a bit for tuition. That's a big part of university students returning home. Was that true in your case? Did it help you save? Yeah. um, I tried to get a job during the school year, but it was a small town, so there was really no work during the winter for people who don't have a degree or experience. So, yeah, it was... I had, like, nothing saved up, and VIU was relatively inexpensive compared to other universities, but, like, it's still a decent amount of money, so it was, yeah, I was able to save up quite a bit, because on Cortez, like, there's not really many places to blow your money, so, Uh, besides going to the store for ice cream, it was 
Yeah, most of it was just going into my savings account. <laughs> okay, so what about this year? Tell me about the first couple weeks of COVID while you were still at VIU. Um, it was kind of surreal. Like, I was living in dorms and lots of people started moving out and it got really quiet and our classes had to switch to online really quickly, which I'm sure was hard for the teachers. Um, and at the time I was working um, in a deli in a grocery store, so lots of changes happened there really, really quickly to like accommodate for COVID, which was strange. And so I was pretty much just staying in my dorm um, doing my classes, but when they became online, I finished most of my work pretty quickly, so I wasn't doing very much and only going out for like groceries and to go to work. And then after a week or two, I realized I was going to have to quit my job because um, they were talking about closing down the dorms and also like most of my schoolwork was done, so there's really no point sitting around there. So I did that, and then I returned to Cortez, which is probably the pla safest place I could have been at the time because, I don't know, in Nanaimo things got pretty bad, I think. It was just kind of scary <laughs> to go out. Okay, so then you quickly had to come up with a plan B because what happened about returning to your job here on Cortez? Yeah, I kind of counted on coming back to the kitchen this summer, hopefully as a second chef, but that wasn't going to happen because they didn't even know if Hollyhock was going to open, and even if they did, it would probably be fewer hours, and as someone who would only work there a year, I probably wasn't going to get back in there if they were having to be selective about who they were bringing in. So, Cortez doesn't have that many summer jobs for students to begin with because um, there just isn't that many job opportunities, so clearly they're going to choose the people with more experience. So I kind of decided to try tree planting, which I'd wanted to for a few years at the time, but it was getting pretty close to the start of the season, so I didn't think I was going to find work, but I was lucky enough to. Um, so, so tell me about that job. Yeah, um, I got the job like a month before the season was supposed to start, but they didn't even know if the season was going to happen because of COVID. And then when the government said that um, tree planting was essential work, then like at least they knew it was going to happen, but they didn't know when it was going to, and they had to put in all these new rules and restrictions to make it safe for everybody um and I didn't know how I was going to get there because it was in the interior so I don't have a car and I couldn't hitchhike because of COVID so I was going to take a plane but then the start date of the season kept changing so I had to change my flight like 10 times but luckily it didn't cost me because they weren't like asking you to pay for changes because of COVID, which was kind of nice. But then last minute, 
I was told that we couldn't take flights to get there. So I was like really stressed and wondering if it would even happen. But then they told us that there were gonna be buses going from Vancouver. So that was pretty nice. So part of the so start in those plans was the communities. They had needs too, right? Like the communities were requesting that full plans were in place. Like you couldn't fly in from a variety of locations and land in their small community, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the first place that we were going to be was um, Ashcroft, like Cash Creek area. Um, which, like, they're just two little towns, like, 30 minutes apart. But um, the residents didn't feel safe with having just random people streaming in, which is why the buses happened. So people either drove there with their cars, or if they didn't have cars, they had to pretty much go to Vancouver and then get the bus out there. Um, and also, once we were there... Um, we weren't allowed to go anywhere because I, well, we found out the night before that I went that we were going to be in motels and I was expecting bush camp. So that changed a few things. Um, like I was going to have to be making my own meals and buying my own food and I kind of counted on that being free in bush camp. So that was a little bit of a bummer, but so yeah, we weren't allowed to go anywhere besides the motel and like the motel grounds, so pretty much the lawn, and um, our drivers were going to be getting our groceries once a week, so we had to plan ahead pretty much. So it was just, yeah, it was a whole lot of disorganization and it was kind of stressful, but once I got there, everything settled down, so that was nice. Okay, so tell me more about the physical distancing measures like, and how that would be, how that turned out to be different from a normal tree planting camp. Yeah, so the crews are usually, well, our crew was two trucks and then um, like two big trucks that carry the trees and then the truck that um, our boss drove and um, everybody who was in the different trucks like each one, well, my boss was one of the leaders and then each one had another leader who like they would go to different blocks usually and then they would like instruct them on how we were going to plant the blocks. So usually the trucks would switch up every few weeks, but because of COVID we didn't switch. Well, we switched once, but it was two months into the season. So by that time, everyone was pretty tired of each other. <laughs> so... It was nice when that eventually happened, but besides that, um, the motel, like, we stayed at two motels, and like I said, we just stayed at the motels. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't even get our own groceries, and the second place we stayed at was bigger than the first, so there was actually, I think it was um, one or two other crews besides ours staying there. But we didn't really get to see them because we were all on different floors and, like, our work schedules were different, so we were never really off at the same time, which was kind of weird because, like, they were there, but they weren't there. Like, 
the government put out this whole like manual thing of the restrictions and stuff that were gonna have to be in place for it to happen. Each crew had a different meal time, so they were kind of separated. And then also usually people like pack their own lunches, make their sandwiches, whatever in the mornings, but they had all that pre-made. So we just like picked up a bag. Okay, so tell me more about the different environments. Like that was sort of a new thing for you in this job that you were traveling to different ecosystems. We just describe them one by one. Yeah, I had, before now, I hadn't seen much of BC, and I kind of expected that it would all be pretty much the same as Cortez, um, but that wasn't the case at all. It was quite surprising. Um, the first place we went to was hills, and they were just completely barren, just grass, and most of it was dead because it was so hot and sunny there all the time and when we started working there our first contract was on this um, burnt forest and it was huge like as far as you could see just burnt trees everywhere completely ashy and that was just completely different from anywhere I've ever been and then we moved further north so the two other places we were were pretty alike in terms of the environment, um, there was evergreens, but they were like tall and spindly, and the green trees were mostly um, poplar trees, so they were really tall and spindly too. So, and then there was lots of underbrush, like lots of big bushes, and they were very green. Um, which was very different from Cortez, which is like both evergreens and then alders, but they're wider and there isn't much underbrush besides ferns. Okay, so when you were working, going through your days, what were you remembering of Cortez while you were working? Um, I think I was mostly just comparing the environments I was in to Cortez, which was the one I had grown up with. And I had pretty much only been around Vancouver Island as well, which is quite similar to Cortez. And like, it's pretty mild. It rains sometimes. We have four seasons, but out there it was just hot and dry at the start. And then after that, it was pretty much just hot and everything around me looked completely different. And there was way more bugs than I was used to and besides that I was just wishing that I could jump into the ocean because I only went I only got to go swimming once the whole season and it was in a swimming pool and being on Cortez in the summers it's surrounded by the ocean so I'd go like every other day so that was kind of strange so describe the actual work for me a little more and um and what were your challenges in that work um, well, up until then, I had only worked really, like, summer jobs. I'd done babysitting for many years, and then some cleaning, and then working in the kitchen, and then working in the deli part-time during the school year. But this was, like, the first experience I had with full-time work. And as a first experience with that, it was quite intense, because <laughs> it's different from I think any other kind of full-time work where it's just like 
We were actually pretty lucky because we were working three days on and then one off, whereas I think usually it's like five days on, one off, which is insane. Um, so I, that made it slightly more manageable, but it was still pretty intense. It was like nine hour days. We had a couple eight, which were pretty nice, but on average it was nine, and then I think the longest we worked was like 11 or 12, which was really intense. And it wasn't like working two hours, half an hour break to eat and whatever. It was like, if you wanna have your food, you're gonna take that out of your own work time. So it was, yeah, it was pretty intense. Um, so I'd say just like adjusting to that was the biggest challenge and kind of wrapping my head around like, okay, I'm here, I'm here to do this, so I might as well just accept it and get over it. Because at the beginning, like mentally, I really resisted it and I found out pretty quickly that like it's a really mental job where like how you, like the mental state that you go into the day with is gonna affect how well you do and like how you feel in general and like, if you're just focusing on like how much you don't want to be there and how bad the bugs are and how fucking hot it is like <laughs> you're not going to put in very many trees and the day's going to go very slow and you're going to be very miserable so you just kind of have to put that aside and just ignore that so yeah once I realized that it made things a lot easier I think Okay, so maybe you can tell me about your successes, although I guess you touched a bit on that already. Yeah, um, there were like number successes, which I think most people who do that, that's what they would consider as their main successes. Like my first, well, when I, the first time I hit a thousand, which was after like a month of planting, it felt so good. And then within the second month, it was like 12,017. And then I think it was a month and a half in that I hit uh, 2,200, which was, like, kind of insane. And I don't know what they did differently, but I think, I don't know, just the group of people they hired that year, like, so many of the new people were just insanely good for whatever reason. So I was working with people who, like, it was their first year and they were hitting 2,000 every day. So, and on average, like most new people hit a thousand a day like that's the maximum they're doing so it was like it felt like a lot of pressure but it also kind of like pushed me to do better but I think it was two months into the season that I kind of realized that that was really not something that I wanted to keep doing like it just didn't feel like the thing for me but I was like I'm already here I'm gonna finish it so I kind of changed my mentality to instead of trying to make like a certain number a certain amount in a day like just get through the day try to not have a terrible time just like one day at a time because I just really wanted to so what was a lasting impact for you um well overall like 
it being such a mental job, like, I learned so many lessons just about myself and about life in general throughout the season. I literally went through two journals and three months of work. So that was, that was a really good feeling. Like, that was kind of a success in itself for me. But besides that, I think I just became much more aware of the extent of logging in BC because growing up on Cortez like there's a few small logging I wouldn't even call them clear cuts but like I thought that's all there was like throughout BC like just you know tiny bit here tiny bit there but like it's not the case at all um because you don't really see that like driving around Vancouver Island even like you're going through the towns but then there's trees on the edges and you assume that everything else is just trees but like it's pretty much a patchwork quilt like and I don't like I'm sure they're telling people that oh it's better for the environment for the forest whatever to take like a little patch here a little patch there but I feel like it also has something to do with, like, it's less obvious how many trees you're actually taking out if you're not taking out big patches, if it's just, like, a little bit here, a little bit there. It's, like, it's not a little bit. It's a lot. And, like, I, <laughs> I was looking, um, I was on Google Maps after the season, actually, and, like, I'd never noticed it before, but if you zoom into BC and you're looking at, like, the forested areas like where it isn't cities where it isn't towns like it's literally just completely covered in patches like there's no big areas that are just green it's just clear cuts everywhere and I've always cared about the environment but that kind of brought a new awareness for me because I never realized like this is uh, actually a, like a big problem that we have to address like right now because it's only getting worse and I feel like lots of people just aren't aware of how bad it is and it's just really easy to not see it's really easy to ignore but it's like we can't keep ignoring this because they're just back there where we never go just completely clearing it out That brings me to what was the first thing you did when you were done? Yes, I went back to Nanaimo. Um, I moved into an apartment, well, like, residence for students. I went to Value Village and got a bunch of stuff for there, which was nice. And then, like, a week after, I think, um, a friend shared a post about a Fairy Creek blockade was happening in Port Renfrew and I <laughs> it was like 11 at night and I like went down a rabbit hole and I was like it's it's so close like I can't believe this is happening right now because like you hear about things like that but like it seems like they've always just happened and I've never actually gotten the chance to like stand up for something that I care about in like such an obvious way and like I said, like seeing the extent of logging in BC firsthand over the sum summer, it like really, it was really fresh to me. And I was like, I really have to do something. So the next day I went to Valley Village, I got like some camping stuff 
and then I took a bus to Victoria and I took a bus to Port Renfrew and it was really cool actually because um, I got on the phone with the guy who ran the bus from Victoria to Port Renfrew just to sort out the schedule and um, he said that they were actually giving free rides to anybody who was going to the blockade which I thought was awesome because it was like 120 bucks so so I got out there for free pretty much well the hotel's expensive you know but anyway um it was raining when I got there so they dropped me at the foot of like at the foot of the logging road and I was given instructions to take every left so I took every left I was hiking uphill the whole way in the rain it was like a six kilometer walk, I think. Um, yeah, it was, I was soaked by the time I got there. And I get there, there's like a little group of people. Lots of people are leaving because of the rain. So by the time I set up my tent, there was only like three people who were still staying there. And the trees were the biggest trees that I've ever seen. Like there's very few old growth on Cortez and this was like mostly old growth and it was so beautiful it was like walking to the forest there it was like a completely different world and it was kind of hard to imagine that it all used to be like that and being around them kind of made you realize like how small you were which was quite humbling and I just like wondered how back in the day anybody could be like living there and look up and be like feel like they were in the position to control something like that so um I didn't end up staying very long because my stuff got completely soaked, like the rain came up into my tent overnight, but I was lucky enough to get a ride back with people who had come the night before also, and the rain was too much, so a week after that, I went back to stay with my family on Cortez, which was nice, and that's where I am now, just relaxing in the forest, and it's really nice. <laughs>